0: Chris Blackwell from Purpose Led for specialises in helping businesses grow by getting clarity on their purpose to drive. Hi Thank Chris, thanks for joining me today. He explains the importance uh, of finding Nigeria the balance between investment and technology.
1: You Welcome to Innovating well Humanity, things, the official podcast for uh, uh, Birmingham I'm tech, well, Culture. I'm Jude Jellison, the host and of This Explains how the traditional the founder of, of Leaders My the Session a leadership and team development company, and development a focus and on I work with senior leadership teams to help innovate a company
0: behaviour change in this podcast, we'll be exploring the intersection between technology, humanity and leadership
1: and, and looking at
0: how we use um, technology to be more human space, and increase and emotional connection and enhance the way that we live and work. Uh, and
1: we were recognized I'll be
0: interviewing leaders from technology 100 businesses, 100 businesses who are at the UK forefront of changing how we live um, and work. i will not working want to miss this. This. Some of the conversations uh, the have been enlightening 40 organizations, and
1: inspiring. And I hope you them enjoy them as much as I have done. Growth. Um, but my big goal is that I want to help uh, dispel the, the the perceived conflict between either being purpose driven or being profit driven.
0: Oh, lovely! Uh, and I
1: think across businesses there is a there is a sense that actually. You, know, you either drive performance and you're focused on profit or if you want to focus on purpose and doing good in the world then actually you have to compromise and actually my view and, and how i work with my clients is to say actually the way to be in high performing and to be and to drive your profits is to be really clear about your purpose and so that's our methodology and that's how we work with people
0: interesting i love i love that because it's it's also one of my passions as well so um so we can we can have a great conversation around this ah, excellent um so where where do you start when you start with a with a new company and you start looking at profit and purpose where where do you start?
1: Um, so we start I start by looking at what I call the foundations uh, And so when we when we work with a new business we'll, we'll sort of do a, a, an assessment but actually I, I think for me I, I like to work at the intersection of businesses that are going through growth. And, and to bring purpose into that mix. And the foundations for me of a business that can grow successfully and sustainably is uh, foundations I talk about purpose, ambition, culture, and talent, and how you get those to work in harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know, what I've observed is, is growth will break most organizations that go through it um and it's because actually they don't have those strong enough foundations uh so so yeah so, so we'll start by
0: so when you say that it will break most organizations do you mean it breaks the the organization or the profit or the people in it
1: or all of those really um yeah i think we we most businesses want to grow mm. um very few actually succeed in growing at any great rate. So so I think there's 0.66% of SMEs in the UK have grown at a rate of greater than 20% for the last three years, which is, I was flabbergasted when I heard that, that sort of stat. So, so businesses want to grow. Those that do grow, actually, it can be a very challenging process. Uh, it can be challenging for the people. Often it can ruin the business. So if the growth's not managed well, you can run out of the cash. You can lose all your customers. You can go bust. You can have big reputational sort of challenges. So, um, you know, like I actually, I, I like to sometimes spend time talking about the dark side of growth and everything that that can go wrong and all the traps that you need to avoid, uh, and then be able to bring that back to to actually making sure that you've got your purpose clear and that it's aligned with the ambition of the organisation, the culture of the organisation, and the talent that you need in order to to go through growth
0: yeah and also what what comes to me with that is that you also need the technology to help you with the growth don't you because yes. as as the number of people grows the 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 way that you collaborate with a larger organization and a growing organization needs to change as well and so technology yeah. has to keep a pace so whether whether you're running a technology business or 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 a, a non-tech business you need that technology to un- underpin that. How do you um, like? What What have you seen with the organisations that you've worked with in terms of how they balance that focus on growing the technology and the the way they use it versus growing the leadership skills and the team skills and the and the focus on purpose?
1: That's a really interesting question. So, so a, a few thoughts on that. And I think you can kind of break people down into different camps. So in, in growth scenarios, um, one of the things that often lags behind is investment in things like technology and systems and processes. So in, in fast growth scenarios, so so I talk about the foundations and I talk about the different skill sets you need within a business. And one of those is the ability to transition to the next level. Mm-hmm. So as businesses grow what tends to happen is their technology, their systems, their processes lag behind. Um, so so there's, a, there's a group of organizations where, where they don't really make use of technology well enough to support them in those transitions as they go through growth. Um, there's there's a kind of a, another set of businesses who are at the opposite extreme, where they think the answer to managing growth is purely about technology. And it's purely about efficiency and making things work better um, and in those businesses they lose sight of the fact that you've still got to deal with people and you've still got to deal with, with culture and again in a fast growth scenario then you know there's lots of change and change unsettles people um and so so yeah so so I guess there's two extremes to to uh to avoid one is lag behind with the technology and not use it well enough to which means that you're inefficient and you can't scale as quickly
0: and then the people one. get frustrated with that as well.
1: They do. They do. They get really frustrated, um, and 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 so the other thing that I would observe as well, and, and as being a non-tech person, but who, who's who sort of led businesses, so ha- you know, had to understand enough about tech, and now somebody who works with some tech businesses, um, yeah, I think there is a trap that lots of people fall into, which is is thinking that tech can solve everything. You know, so so if there's a technology that exists. Then sometimes there's almost just a shorthand answer that says, "Well, okay, we'll get a system. The system will do it." But it kind of loses sight of the fact that well, you have to use the system properly. You have to train people to understand the system. You have to understand its potential, what it's good at, and what it can't do. Um, and and actually, you shouldn't just because there's a system doing something you need to be mindful of the fact that you don't lose sight of what that system is there to do or lose control of it um
0: and i think there's something really important here about how do we get humans to do what humans are good at and the technology to do what the technology is good at and how do you yeah. bring the two together because what what comes to mind for me initially is like that age old you know you on a on a on a calculator you can add four plus two and get six but you can do that so much quicker in your own head than than you can do by plugging in four plus two equals six yeah and so so you know it's a great example of where we can start to rely on technology to do something that we can actually do better ourselves and and of course if you've if you've got to do thousands or millions of Sums like four plus two equals six, then a computer is going to be so much better at doing it than yes. than a human yes. being. Um, so there, there comes a point where we have to say, Right, that's something that I want the technology to do. But if you look at a purpose led organization, for example, it's not the technology that's going to decide whether your organization is purpose led or not, it's going to be the people in it, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So, how do you how do you convince how do you convince people that purpose is important in business? Because let's let's face it, we're at a time where, particularly at the moment, we're coming out of Covid. Are we coming yeah. out of it? I don't know if we are or not, but but no. we're going we're still <laughs> going through it. We're yeah. re- in recovery mode in some cases. The the budgets are tight. Um, yeah and and you've got organisations that are growing that need technology and need to look at well-being and the mental health of their teams and then and then purpose tell me why is why is purpose so important
1: so covid is is kind of a crisis uh, it's not just a public health crisis economic crisis uh, and it's leading to recession lots of sectors have been been really badly hit um and with a lot of businesses that I sort of talk through, I, I think there's a trap that businesses can fall into, which is, is kind of thinking we can't afford to think about the future. We can only afford to think about the present. Um, and I've had actually a lot of conversations with businesses in, the, in these last six months. And, and there's a few things that I've shared. So, so firstly, I've shared some of my personal experiences. Um, so back in 2009, I was the deputy CEO of a business about the 50 million revenue business. Um, and we would just been, we had been successful, you know, success after success, highly profitable, fast growing, um, never failed. And then the, the global financial crash happened. Um, and at the same time we took on this massive new contract, which we were really happy to win and then it turned out to be a nightmare contract. So we had those two issues compounding on top of each other and so in essence in 2009 in the first six months of 2009 we lost three million pounds in six months and we lost a million pounds in a single month in June Um, and um, we dug ourselves out of that hole and when I look back and at this point I wasn't talking about purpose or any of those ways but But actually, how did we stay successful? Well, we got into survival mode quite quickly and we we understood what we could switch off and how we got control of our cash and how we got control of our forecast. And and we did have to cut costs. But at the same time, that business was a purpose-driven business. And so we kept really clear focus on what we were there to do, which that business was all about helping people back into work who dropped out of work, which was even a bigger issue, if you think, within the recession. So we kept a really clear focus on our purpose and we kept a really clear focus on the future that we wanted to um, create for for our business. So we still kept the focus on we think we can get through this and we think we can still got less cash coming through, we've got less money coming through, so we're going to have to figure out how to do things differently. Um, And within six months, we got back to break, break even. And two and a half years later that business had grown from 50 million revenue to 120 million revenue, Deloitte bought a 50% stake. So it was a massive success story. And so I've sort of reflected back on that, that kind of period of crisis. Um, and actually what helped us is we kept focusing on the future. We didn't just remain in the present. Um, but what happens in crisis is the world changes change happens all of a sudden really quickly Mm -hmm. and what we did is we adapted to the new world that was coming into being as opposed to try and hold on to the world that was now kind of ended yeah Um, and I kind of contrast that with the traditional approach by other businesses And, and I've got another experience of going into a large PLC I went in as the the chief exec of a joint venture business that they had were they were the majority shareholder, and I went in in twenty sixteen. So this was quite a long time after the, the big financial crash. But actually, what I observed when I at the point I went in, they'd had five successive years of cost cutting, and they were just in this spiral. Every year was a crisis, mm-hmm. and what I observed was their whole approach was just manage the present, just manage the numbers, you know. And they were trying to hold on to the world previous as opposed to the new world that had happened. And so it was a case of saying, well, you know, let's cut costs as opposed to saying, well, how do we fundamentally change our delivery model and how have our customers changed and how has the external world changed? It was just a case of, well, everything's the same, but you've just got 20% less to spend. And what was happening is, well, customers were just getting disenfranchised and they were leaving, the staff were just burned out from five years of cuts. and so. You know, every time they made the cuts, the revenue dropped, and next year they were back into the same position. And when I sort of contrast those two approaches, the latter one was the more traditional focus on survival only, focus on the short term, only think about what you need to do. And actually, my observation is that didn't work. Whereas in the former example, we really, you know, we were a little bit naive. It was our first crisis, but we just kept and we managed, we kept our eye on you know, not going bankrupt and keeping the cash flowing, but we were optimistic that we could still make it work and that we could do things differently for the future. And there's a very good Harvard Business Review article uh, called Roaring Out of the Recession, which was published in 2010. So it looked back on the recessions of the 80s, the 90s and the 2000. And it highlights actually the sort of traditional cost cutting methodology it did an analysis of how businesses have performed in recessions. And actually that traditional methodology called a reductive methodology was proven to be the least successful. Um, And the most successful was, was what was called a progressive approach where organizations did cut costs so that they were, they ensured that they could stay afloat, but they adapted their delivery models to the new world that was emerging. And without realizing that's what we did in my company in back in, in 2009. Mm -hmm. And so so I spent a lot of time talking through leaders and saying, well, what are your challenges and and actually helping them to think about, well, don't try and hold on to the world that no longer exists. You've got to get into survival mode for a short period of time, which is about understanding what you need to do to help the business to survive. But you then need to adapt to the new world and you've got to be optimistic. You've got to see opportunities and that that then often means selectively investing in the things that are going to help your business succeed in the future. So that could be new systems. It could be about ensuring that your people are happy and safe and engaged. It could be about pivoting your delivery model and investing in new ways of delivering. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's round about that optimism for the future, um, and you know, trying to give people the, the the confidence and the reassurance, both through experience and through academic research, to say the traditional approach actually is going to be worse for your business.
0: Well, and also there's something around. Um sitting in a business that is only stripping out cost and asset and and the rest of it and how that just has an impact on you as an employee where you just gradually get ground down with it which yeah, is an organization that has a purpose that therefore has a really strong compelling vision that everybody can get behind that injects some energy that says yes it's tough right now but look at where we're going and yeah. to get really excited and enthusiastic about that, because yeah. when you create, when you shift that energy from one of "we're going down" to "we're going towards something," you know, it's like a moth to the light, isn't it? It's yeah, like it is. Like let's let's all go and we can do it. There's that sense yeah. of it's compelling to have that.
1: Vision. It is. It's really compelling. So I sort of talk about purpose providing three things. So it provides clarity. What it is we're here to do. It provides alignment in an organization, so that actually everybody rose in the same direction. Um, and then it, it engages the passion of your workforce and of your, your external stakeholders, your customers. Um, and so relating that back to, to the example of going through the last recession, um, you know, when we were going through those hard times, the clarity of our vision of what we were there to do was so powerful That everybody was aligned into where we've got to fix this issue because it's not just about making money or or stopping losing money. It's about making a difference in people's lives. Um, And then you need the passion because to get through the hard challenges um, is is really difficult. Um, And to contrast that again, that my second experience going into that PLC, people were exactly as you described, they were just worn down and in the absence of purpose the conversation was, well, we're just trying to save money. Um, and, you know, people could see that the quality was suffering, their customers were unhappy, people were really disenfranchised and, as you said, really worn down by it.
0: So if we look at, from a technology point of view, because what, what we're looking at is the intersection between technology and humanity, most technology has a purpose of some sort, doesn't it?
1: It does, and and that's one of the things that I'm really excited to work increasingly with tech businesses and in the tech sector and with you know businesses that are newer businesses. Because often people are trying to solve a problem. Um, and actually asking the question, what problem are you trying to solve? is almost the same thing as saying what is your purpose? Mm. So I'm a little bit of a purpose purist. So so often purpose and social impact are conflated in my view, and they're not necessarily the the same thing. And so actually you don't need to want to save the world to be purpose-driven. You can be purpose-driven if you're just really clear about why your organization exists. And a lot of tech businesses and a lot of new tech businesses and startups or or scale-ups, because they're so new, they're still really clear on that why, why they exist, um, which is their purpose. Mm -hmm. um and so so i find tech business exciting to work with and and i guess one of the things i'm keen is is that as organizations grow they don't lose sight of it
0: yeah because there's because as you say it creates that clarity for people that everyone can get behind because one of the things that you you can often see in an organization is people start to wander off in different directions and they and particularly with tech i think people can get caught up with what's the next new whizzy thing and and go off in different directions and then the organization becomes disjointed unclear people are no longer sure what their value is or what they're trying to achieve so what i'm hearing from from you is around the importance of having that clarity of direction because then the whole organization can align behind that and say We know what we're here for we know our why we know where we're going we might not always know how we're going to get there but we absolutely know if one of us is going off track how do we then bring people back yeah what what do you think what do you think are the challenges facing tech organizations because one of the things I notice is that often a tech business, particularly a startup, is founded by one or two people who have an idea. They might even be the techies themselves who've done the first bit yep. of the programming or, or designing, but they'll have an idea. Um, and then, then they end up running a business that isn't really about tech, it's about people. How do, yep. how do you get people to transition? How do you get tech businesses to transition from we're a tech business to we're a business that is about people developing technology for the world?
1: It's a really interesting one. One of the things that I've observed um, is that there are transition points for businesses. And so the first transition point is when you maybe go from having less than three to more than three employees um and so with most tech startups they're probably in the less than three and at that point everybody's just sort of doing and then you know all of a sudden you go from you know three to ten i think is the next sort of cycle where all of a sudden you've got more people in the business and you need to think a little bit more about how things work but you're still small enough as a team for it to kind of work naturally The next transition point then is, and these are sort of approximate, but once you go above 10 people, all of a sudden, then that's when things kind of start to get serious in terms of where you have to manage people and think about structures and systems and culture and all of those things. Um, so, so I, I, I guess I work with with people to try and sort of say this is the natural path that you're going to go on. So firstly, get ahead of the game in terms of understanding as you go through these transition points, what running your business will change and the things that you need to do will change. And these are some of the different things you need to think about at different points. Um, And then I, I go back to those foundations because actually if you start, if your purpose is really clear at the beginning, your ambition matches your purpose and is set and you start to think about things like culture and talent up front. what that means is that journey gets easier because if you if you define, you know, how you want your business to be and how you want it to run and the values and behaviors of the people within your business, which is, is you know, the culture. Um, and you then get the right people that buy into your purpose that are, match your ambition will work well in that culture and they've got the talent to grow with the business, it just makes that journey and the transitions you go through so much smoother. Um, and
0: what would what would your. What would you say to people who say that? Well, oh, that's all very nice, but that all sounds a bit fluffy. Oh, by the way, I'm not one of those people. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, this <laughs> up. But
0: particularly in tech businesses, there's a. Yep. You know, people will often say it's all very nice, but but it's a bit fluffy. I mean, you 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 create a, I don't know, you you create a, uh, a presentation on how to write the perfect p- pitch deck to get investment and all the tech businesses will be there but you create something around purpose-led performance or leadership or teamwork and they don't think it's relevant like how do you how do you convince people that this is absolutely the foundation to every business
1: um so it's interesting so I, i use a lot of case studies um and so a couple of the case studies that i refer to a lot one which is quite local to the two of us um, so you know uh, um uh, gymshark uh started 7 years ago um uh, just outside solihull um you know that's 1.45 billion kind of valued business at the moment so it's it's a it's a sportswear business a sports apparel but but really it's a tech business underneath when you go into it and ben uh, francis is the the founder of the business, really interesting. And he posts so much stuff on YouTube, but actually that is a business that right from up front was purpose-driven, that talks about the culture and the talent. So, you know, I've got my own experiences growing businesses which were non-tech businesses, but also I kind of refer people to, to businesses like Gymshark and say, well, go go check out, you know, they're, they're a business that literally seven years ago were at zero and now they're at 2 million revenue and they've just been valued at 1.45 billion. The other organization I talk a lot about is Netflix. Uh, again, Netflix is not, not necessarily a tech company um, or, or not certainly not a pure tech company, um, but actually is a tech driven business and is the one which has grown most by value on the US stock market uh, in the last 10 years. And they put all of their growth and their success down to two things, culture and talent. And the Netflix culture deck, um, which kind of came out, I think it was published on the Internet um, in the sort of mid noughties, is a great document to go and look at because they really articulate if you want to grow. And that's the thing. That's the hook with the tech companies. If you want to grow, very few tech companies are starting saying, yeah, we're going to we want to be a, you know, a three person tech business. They're all massively ambitious. Our technology is going to take over the world. Um, And so you sort of say, well, you've got to learn the lessons from the organizations that have done it successfully. Um, And so Netflix articulate brilliantly how, as you grow, system and process cannot keep up with growth. And the only thing that allows you to keep up with growth is culture and talent. Um, You know, kind of other tech businesses, more more pure tech businesses, you look at the likes of of Google um, and their ability to really focus on doing the right things with their OKRs. And then there's, there's, a, there's a, a huge number of young businesses that have been massively successful. Um, and so, so it's worth, whenever you speak to people from those businesses, one of the things you come away with is understanding how clear a focus they have on their purpose. They might not use the word purpose. They might talk about the problem they're solving, their focus on meeting the needs of their customer um, so the language might be a little bit different, but actually really that what they are so focused on is why they exist. Mm. Um, and then how they build a culture, get the right people on board, get the right talent in in order to grow. Um, so I sort of, you know, I kind of make the rational business case for it.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, I can see that. And and, and I, I talk a, a lot around how do you align a team so that you have clarity of direction? And that you have that communication so that, which is yeah. the culture and talent piece, that you have that alignment within the team so that there's a single-minded focus on the clarity of direction. Because in the absence of that, you go off at different tangents, don't you?
1: Yeah. Um, and I think you know, all it takes is to go from less than three people to more than three people for you to start to feel the pain of a lack of alignment and that you know just naturally happens with humans if you don't have something that very clearly connects you so that you all are focused in the same way and and focused in the same area you you automatically fall into misalignment and then you start to get all the pain and the suffering that comes with that so you know I think I think tech businesses quite early on when they start to grow very quickly start to feel the pain of kind of not having people aligned and then it's it's giving them a language that that gives them you know sometimes people need to feel the pain before you can kind of uh, help them yeah uh with with what it is they need
0: and final final question for you then given that we are at the moment still working living and working in a remote world and using technology how do we how do we use the technology to be more human and 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 stay focused on that purpose.
1: It's a really great question. Um, I don't know if I hundred percent have the answer, but maybe I'm going to share an anecdote of of lockdown um, because you know my whole business has been through Zoom calls these last six or seven months, um, and I've actually formed a very strong partnership through lockdown with two people that I've never, ever met in person. Um, and, uh, it's a, um, Alberto is is a Spanish guy who runs a business very similar to mine, but he's based in the Netherlands in the Hague and then a business psychologist called Sarah Rosenthula And we started a conversation online just before lockdown started. And we all have an interesting purpose. And we said, um, let's, let's do something. Let's do an event together. Let's do an in-person event in London. Um, and, and we'd, we'd literally had one conversation when lockdown happened and we had a meeting in the diary. And so we kept the meeting and we said, well, obviously we're not going to do this event. Um, but we just had a, a really good chat and we compared notes cause we've all got our own businesses and we said, well, sh- should we, should we meet next week? And what happened is, is we kept on meeting every single week and comparing notes. And we got to the summer, so, so actually only meeting through this format that we're talking through now, you know, sort of remote technology, we formed a friendship and a bond. And we said, well, why don't we do, do the event, but do it virtually? Um, and we ended up doing an event we thought we'd have about 30 people. It turned into three events where we had over 400 people um, register. Um, And we then ran these online events. Um, We had people from all over the world. We had people in the US, we had people in Namibia, we had people in Holland, Sweden, Germany, Australia. Um, And we called it Conversations About Purpose. And it was all through this medium using technology, but having really human conversations. Um, And it was so successful, we said, well, let's do it again. So we did the same three sessions again, and we had the similar numbers. And so we've now formed a side project. so we call ourselves the Purpose Collective. And every two weeks, we have a conversations about purpose session, and we've kind of built this community where nobody's ever met in person. It's all using technology and all using Zoom calls or, or, or something similar. Um, but actually, what we found is the people that have come to our sessions have started to become friends, and it's formed new business partnerships. And so, I guess it's a really good example of how you know using the technology to bring people together. And to facilitate the right types of conversation can lead to really human relationships mm-hmm. uh, and and sort of business successes.
0: I love that, and I, what I also love with that as well is that the that the purpose is is an intention that is held a bit more loosely. It's not a an absolute end goal of A to B. It's yeah. but it's an intention of it's about purpose, and that's our intention, and that's our purpose, and then. The, the purpose is evolving as a result of the human conversations and and different people coming together and and that's actually you're not losing sight of this is about purpose, but the how and the why and the it is a bit more fluid and that's what yeah. I particularly really really like about that.
1: Yeah, and and, and to give it because we talked before before we started the interview, you know. Um, can virtual meetings replace face to face there's there's something missing when you have the virtual meetings however in a world where it is the only option at the moment on the flip side there's been this added benefit that's come from it which is historically i only would have done events with people in the uk
0: Mm.
1: and all of a sudden i'm in this international team so we've got alberto is over in the hague and we're running sessions and and all of a sudden the international borders don't matter Mm. because because we're using the technology anybody that's got an interest is able to come to our sessions and so we you know we we try and place it in a way that people from different time zones can kind of come and so the people that come from the US end up getting very up very early in the morning Uh, but you know it's a really interesting thing because actually without the technology and without what's happened with lockdown we would never have almost kind of thought we should mark, you know, this should be an international thing, we would have worked very, you know, this is about our borders, it's about the UK. Um, And so, so I kind of think that kind of offers up your technology has the ability to break down the borders, physical borders of countries, but it also has the, the potential to break down Cultural borders and barriers that we maybe all put up in front of ourselves. Mm. And because everybody's been dealing with COVID and everybody's had their own versions of lockdown, it's created this kind of universal experience that we're all going through at the same time, which has enabled people to kind of find that common ground.
0: It's such a lovely example of using using the pandemic as an opportunity to do things in a different way and using the technology to connect rather than to disconnect. Chris, yeah. thank you so much for your time. There's so much that we've talked about there, but that's been really fascinating. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, thank you for inviting me, Andrew. It's been really good. It'd be great to meet in person when, when we're all allowed out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Chris really demonstrates that technology is there for a purpose and that it's the human beings who make the decisions about that purpose. Having a purpose is about being clear where you're going and ensuring that there's clarity for everyone to align around. Chris demonstrates with his own experience that technology can help us find people who are aligned with our purpose from all over the world and we're stronger together when we collaborate around that sense of purpose. What's the purpose in your organization and how can you use technology to create a shared purpose and alignment? That's it for this week. You've been listening to Innovating Humanity, the official podcast for Birmingham Tech Week. I'm Jude Jennison, host of the podcast and founder of Leaders by Nature, a leadership and team development company. I hope you've been as inspired by this week's guest as I have. If you'd like to know more about how I help leaders and teams be more human in a world of technology, you may be surprised to discover I do it by working in a field with a herd of horses. Sound crazy? All innovation's crazy in the beginning. So if you like to think outside of the box and get rapid results, you can find out more at www.judejennison.com. And if you'd like to find out more about the exciting technology scene in Birmingham, hop onto the Birmingham Tech website at www.birminghamtechweek.com. Until next time, that's it from me, Jude Jennison, the official podcast partner for Birmingham Tech.